Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Grab your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, and while you're grabbing your Bibles or getting ready to watch it on the screen, we want to say it's such an honor to be here with you all. Thank you for choosing Riverside Church. Thank you for taking time out of your week, and thank you for cautiously coming here and faithfully coming here. It's, it's the morning service is growing as well, and this service is going to get better and better. And so, you know, we pray that not only does God's hands protect you and strengthen you, but that he would just touch your health and make you radiant, to make you shine and stand out. The day and the hour that we're living in requires some light. It's just a dark dark place right now but the good news is the darker it is the brighter the light becomes you are the light of the world and Jesus is your source so our prayer is that you become better stronger and wiser during this season how many of you are excited to see God move in the hour and the day that we're living in how many of you are praying that God would do something I believe that. Prayer is such an essential part of what's going on. So in this series, we're talking about we is greater than me. And during this series, we would really love to to compliment your life and help you and and give you words, words that will be applicable to your life. Today, I want to do that. Today, uh, we want to always come here and give you something you can apply in your life, something that's tangible something practical, but also something with depth. So we're going to get into the scripture and talk about that today. We're going to talk about building a strong culture. And I'm going to explain that a little bit further, but verse 32 in Acts chapter 4 says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Will you say that with me? One heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things they possessed was of his own, but they had all things in common. With the great power, uh, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who possessed or had possessions of land and were possessors of land and of houses, they sold them and brought it, the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and then they distributed to each as everyone had need. To me, this is one of the greatest examples of a very strong culture, a very strong Um, example of what God intended to happen in the church. The apostles learned it from someone and that someone was Jesus. Jesus taught them exactly how they needed to live their life and what type of group they needed to be. And because they carried it out and passed it from one generation to the next, that value, the, every value they had and every, every intention they, they had with sharing those principles and lifestyle carried on to generation to generation, even to now. Right now, 
we're experiencing a culture shock in the world. But the church has the culture change that we need. Today, we're going to talk about things that you can apply in your business, things you can apply in your family, your marriage, your career, whatever you're doing in life. You can take these principles, apply them, and build something strong that will last. That's our prayer today. Will you bless the service, those of you that are watching, those that are here? Can you ask God to bless this service? And let's just ask him to move. And let's just get ready to receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive it, God. Let my brain and my mouth stay together. Let my heart, God, give your wisdom and love and understanding. Today, God, we pray a blessing for everyone listening and watching and those that are here. In your powerful, matchless, majestic name, we pray. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time to the King of King and the Lord of Lords. Tell them you love them. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And you can be seated. Thank you for worshiping with us today. It is probably one of the number one reasons why people leave corporations or people leave their jobs or, or people leave churches or people don't uh, get along with other families or entities or groups or just indifference. The difference is, is that most people doing the research on this have left jobs because they did not like the culture. So let me explain what a culture is. A culture is a way of life. It's a group of people that do things a certain way, have certain attitudes, or have certain types of gifts and talents expressed through arts and literature, taste of music, taste of food, but habits that they've incurred from other family members and things that have been passed down. It's a learned habit of how they treat someone, how to be hospitable. And a culture can be passed from generation to generation if it's saved and it really is savored by the, by the people. Cultures develop, some develop out of fear, hatred or or animosity, and they try to comply to a certain thought process or ideology out of pressure. Those cultures that are formed that way do not last. But the cultures are the way of life that are developed with strategy, thoughts, and intention that's backed by love. They're passed down from generation to generation to generation, and they last. That's why some cultures have been around since the beginning of time. That's why when you read the Bible, you'll find that we live in the manner of some Jews and the manner of some biblical characters, what we call characters and patriarchs and matriarchs in the scripture by conviction because that same attribute that was in their life is carried on to our life through Jesus Christ. In other words, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We've got an inherited nature that God's given us. But in the world, certain lifestyles or certain acts and cultures that have been developed have been developed through crisis. And others have learned to prevent crisis through 
through, now you can't prevent experiencing it more than you can becoming conformed by it. Whatever your foundation is and whatever your convictions are will become stronger and proven through fire or trial. That's, that's what it does. Your faith becomes stronger when it's tested and it's gone through some trials. That's what trouble does for Christians. Christians are made stronger. Christians are, are developed and mature. I thank God for every trial and every trouble that has ever come my way because afterwards, I, I, it, it didn't kill me. I'm still here. But it made me stronger. It made me better only because there's something inside of me or someone inside of me, if you will, that is stronger and better and was able to do something exceeding and abundantly according to the power that works inside of you and I. Jesus is that answer. I've been reading a book called The Culture Code. Uh, the author is Daniel Coyle, and he wrote some um, really inter interesting topics and he did a study of cultures that, that uh, businesses and corporations have adopted and looking at even successful sports teams. When the uh, San Antonio Spurs was doing well, he began to look at their culture. He looked at what was it about them that made them who they were during that time, whether you're a fan or not. It doesn't matter. Anyone who succeeded, we can all learn from and apply the principles in our lives. And so he went and he... He looked at it and he talked to the, the coaches and the owners and the rest of those that did the interviews towards the candidate who was going to be part of the team. And they had this list, this application that every player had to fill out and not only fill out, but they had to come and, and meet with them as well in person. So when they filled out everything, there was this one little check box, this little box that needed to be checked or could be checked. Um, on the bottom of the application and that box right next to the box it said not a spur and he asked them why is that there and they said they can have all the right talent they could have athleticism they can have all the tools but we look further than having talent we look at attitude we look at chemistry, how they respond to authority. Can they be taught? And are they able to get rid of the me and make themselves into a we? And if they don't meet that criteria, and that's not on the interview, that's just what we look for in person. We can pick it up on somebody, and if we detect anything, we check the box. If that box is checked, we throw it in the trash. They are not a spur. He looked at other corporations also and started to look at what they did and what they would do to build their teams. And, and I started to think as a pastor, this is very relevant for us in the time that we're living in because if we need to build anything strong, it's the church. And if the church isn't strong, it's because the families are weak. So we need to apply this to our families and to our careers. And I recognize that some of the attributes we are actually doing in this church but here are some of the things that he said that these strong companies had. They had a welcoming environment. They welcomed everyone and made them feel apart. Aren't you glad when you come to church that you feel apart? You're not, you're not shunned. You're not mistreated, but you're greeted with a healthy smile. And I say that right now because we can't handshake, but you know what I'm saying. They're smiling behind their mask, right? At least I hope they are. And if you don't like them, stick your tongue up. They'll never know. 
just joking. But when they welcome them, they, they listen. Number two, that they listen. You may want to jot some of this down. And remember, you can download my notes on the app and take note of this later. But this is going to be one of those services you're going to want to remember and take notes on. They listen to people, then they understand them. So they, they, they yearn to do what Stephen Covey said in the seven highly affected people. He said, I reference his book because he had a lot of great principles, seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And then once they do that, they have learned to ask good questions. In other words, they want to know how you think, uh, what your perspective and because of that, they've removed blind spots in their corporation areas and, and really accepted candor. you got to accept constructive criticism. You have to be willing for somebody to come into your life and say, hey, you know, not, not with attitude, not with malicious effort to try to discourage you, but somebody who really loves you will tell you, hey, man, you got a, something on your nose, <laughs> right? Or lettuce in your teeth. Right? Don't, if I'm ever at dinner with any of you and there's lettuce in my teeth, don't ever be afraid to tell me. Please tell me if you love me. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? A friend will tell you the truth. But you have to be vulnerable, and that's what made these leaders vulnerable. That was his fourth step. If the leader or the dad or the boss does not become vulnerable, to be open to take someone else's opinions and thoughts. They don't leave room for their family, business, or corporation, or church to grow. You have to know that there are people that God has sent into your life to help promote your purpose, not you. To promote your purpose is to promote everyone's purpose. Because that was, that's what the other criteria was, that they all had to have the same purpose. You know what I love about church? That we come to church because we all come for the same purpose. You know the Apostle Paul, they tried to, uh, they tried to finagle their way into his, 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 his thought process and try to trip him up like they did Jesus with questions. But he was so wise in the sense that he knew his reply. And his reply in one book, he said, listen, I saved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You've got these cultural issues. You've got this issue and that issue. But keep the main thing the main thing and you won't have any problems. We complicate it. That's what we do. We complicate things. But... Weak cultures are only developed in trying times out of fear, out of compulsion, out of emotion, but they never come from conviction prior to what you believe. Jesus built a strong culture. The only point I'm going to give you today is this. Jesus built a culture of we instead of me. Jesus built a culture of we instead of me. One of the most, I think, revelatory chapters in the scripture comes from John chapter 15 when it comes to building a strong culture, a strong family, a strong way of life. John chapter 15 verse 4 says, Jesus told the disciples, abide in me and I in you. 
Somebody say we. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He was making it about him, but really it was about them. He was trying to tell them, you're you're better off with me because I have your best interest at heart. That's what the, the church should be. A church, a healthy church, should be a church that encourages with, 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 with passion, corrects with love, instructs with wisdom, and leads you and guides you that we're, at the end of the day, you're going to be stronger, better, and wiser. We're here, we're here to build you up and tear down everything the devil's tried to build in your life. We're here to encourage every good thing in your life. We're here to be a light to our world. We're here to season our world with salt. Jesus said, become the salt and the light. And so he goes on further, and listen, this is the one I want to read you. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. What that means is nothing greater than what you're doing right now. Some have been blessed, but it's much more than being blessed. It's filling your purpose and changing the world for his sake. We've been called to change. We're agents of change Not because we are constantly changing, but we are constantly strengthening and complying to one principle that's unchangeable. That's the love of God. We are constantly changing because we're connected to an unchanging force. For Jesus Christ, he even said it. They said it. Paul said he is the same yesterday, today, and forever unchanging. Always the same. Jesus, uh, you know, God is not more powerful today than he was yesterday. He has always been powerful. God is not wiser or smarter than he was yesterday. He is all eternal, and he's filled every space and time in his omniscience to be in our life at every given moment. Things need to change because we need to experience it. God never changes. The change needs to happen here. He's got the answer. He has the remedy. He has the supply. He has the power. He has the authority. We just have to change here and comply. So cultures, when you develop it intentionally and you take it and apply it, you begin to not only change your life, but you change your entire atmosphere. Entire atmosphere, groups of people marching in cadence, whether good or bad, with ill intention or or good intention, or always dominate those that are dispersed and have schisms within their own uh, 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 company, (laughs) group of people, lives, whatever I'm trying to say, entities, you'll always fall short when you're broken up in your belief system. 
But when everyone is marching to the same beat of the same drummer, to the same tune of our same Lord, and you've got the same heartbeat, and we tap in together, and we begin to walk in cadence with that, I'm going to tell you something. It is a powerful force. It is a powerful force to reckon with. It is something that you can't imagine. When hell sees God and feels God, people begin to march together. There is something powerful about that. Right where you're sitting, I want you to move your feet with my feet right now. Just do it. Just do it just for the fun of it. Right now. Just do it. You see, when you and I begin to walk together, it's not just walking together. It's the vibration and the sound that we give off at the bottom of our feet that reminds hell of the promises that God said that you will step on the head of the serpent, that you will come against the lion and the aider, and they're not going to succeed, that you without me is nothing but you with me, you can do all things. Together we're stronger is what we talked about last week. Together we are stronger, but together with him, we're greater. Greater in him. That's the good news. I, I don't know if you're like me, but when, we, when there's changes and there's little things that are done, I notice a lot of things, by the way. I mean, I'm very observant on a lot of, on a lot of things. But over the years, I've learned to not be so you know, strenuous, if you will. Uh, I, I noticed a little little piece of paper on the ground when I walked into church. I, I just used to walk into church, and I'd see uh, if the chairs were out a centimeter, I would go and fix it. If everything had to be perfect, everything had to be right. And so that got me in a lot of trouble with my health because... <laughs> You can't worry about everything, folks. You can't worry about the little things. Sometimes you just got to let God handle everything and know that everything's going to be okay. Sometimes good is good enough, you know, and, and you got to trust God and trust other people. So, so now when I walk in, I try not to look around. I try not to talk to anybody at first because I, I, the reason why I don't talk to you before service is because I only got one message to deliver. I don't want to talk about three things. I had no intention to talk about but, but uh, I go straight to the office, and I pray and just stay focused on the message. So with that being said, <clears throat> I even pass by our values in the front of the foyer when I walk into church most of the time and didn't recognize them. And I was the one that even asked them to put them there, right there. Those are the values. That's what builds and establishes a culture. The reason why we have values is because those values is what we judge and measure everything we do by, those things. That's why we put them on the front, because we want people to recognize them and see that we're not just doing something to do it. These are what we consider. If it doesn't include family, worship, prayer, giving, serving, discipleship, we don't do it. Values. You see, uh, vision will always change. You can have a vision for your business or career, Visions will change even with your success. They'll change and take on another form, but your values should never change. The values should always be in your life. Those are your convictions. That's why you live. That's the big why and the what of life. That's the why. 
Why do we do what we do? We do it because family is important to us. We do it because worship is important to us. Because prayer is our strength and is our source. Giving is our lifestyle and worship. Serving is what we were called to do. Serving and discipleship is what we were called to do as well. To help other people. To give ourselves away and make a difference in life. Hello. So let me talk about that right now. We have cultural development here according to God's kingdom, and you can take these, and I'm giving them to you. This is what God has given us. You can apply them, any one of them you want, into your own family, into your businesses, whatever you want to do. But if you'll get the values, what's valuable to you. See, Jesus had values. He came, he said, to fulfill the will of the Father. He valued his death so you can have life. There was value in him giving his life because he was going to sow his life. Greater love hath no man than this. So he valued love. And he taught that to the disciples. And he told them, don't let the widow go unprovided for. Don't let the fatherless go unprovided for. They learned this. They carried it out in the book of Acts. These are values. So we're going to touch on the first one, family. Why do we value family? Because Family is the first institution that was established on this earth when it comes to people. It was the husband and the wife. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. But even Jesus said, I'm going to take it a step further in the new covenant. He said, my mother, my brother are the one, are those who hear God's word and obey it. It's a spiritual thing. That's your family. Have you ever wondered why, as a believer, sometimes, sometimes, not in all cases, but sometimes uh, the, the people you're closest to are the people that believe like you? Because you can even have family that doesn't believe like you, that has their opinion. Okay, nobody? That voted for somebody else? <laughs> ah, there you are. I was wondering where you were. You understand what I'm talking about? And the apostle Paul was wise and he knew. He said, listen, I don't want to talk about anything around you. I'll deal with the problems. I'll give you some solution. I'll take you to the scripture. But let's keep Jesus the main thing here, okay? That's what keeps us together. That's what makes us a family. Because we have the same father. Is that right? We value family. Prayer, Jesus said this. And see, our values came from Jesus, not from anybody else, but Jesus. He had the word. Watch and pray, he said, lest you enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we encourage prayer. We're here every day. This isn't a conviction call, but I'm just telling you, we're here every day, Tuesday to Friday, 6 o'clock in the morning to 7.30 in the morning. We are open every single day besides Monday because it's our day off for staff. They work hard throughout the week. We give them one day off. <coughs> you want two? <laughs> Three? No? Missed out. There you go. That was your chance. So, so we give them a day off. And, but even though we take off, we can't stop praying, right? So we established that as the backbone of our church, and we always have. 
no matter how many people are here, no matter how good the event goes, no matter how bad it goes, no matter what, prayer is a constant that we have to have in our life because without prayer, we have no lifeline. We have no source of strength. We have no connection. Prayer was the first first means of technology we get so fascinated by the new iphones that are coming out every year and new phones that are being produced by other companies as well but but did you know that prayer is probably one of the most powerful sources of communication that has been around since the beginning of time and it doesn't cost you a thing and you're never out of range and you're always there to, he's always there to hear you Oh, man, aren't you glad he's there? You know, through prayer, we learn some things, right? We learn some things. I feel it coming on me again. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. <laughs> Just to hear, right? You know the rest? Just to know, thus say the Lord. Jesus, Jesus. It sounded better the first service. How I trust him. You know the song. How I proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus. Somebody sing it. Precious Jesus. All the grace to trust him more. I've experienced some dark places in my life that the only thing I could do was pray. And the only thing that, that I had an answer for was my action not my words. There have been some seasons in my life where I have had no other option except talk to God. And I've always learned that if I just stay there long enough, this too shall pass and things will get better and the sun will shine again. And the bright and the morning star will guide your path once again. When the clouds and the storm has left, you'll know that there's always, always Jesus that's been there the entire time. Although you couldn't track him, you had to trust him. That's the lifeline. I feel that right now. I feel that right now. There's just a, a, a yearning and a passion that's inside of all of us that yearns to connect with our creator and trust him before we start trusting in other uh, ideas or, or people or, or, or plans or strategies and we have our own ways of doing things. Why don't you go to Jesus and just begin to call on his name and trust in him and, and try prayer. Prayer works. Somebody say it works. Come on, tell somebody, prayer works. I tell people whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, try talking to them consistently. I promise you, he's going to talk back. He's going to tell you something. He's going to bring an answer. He's going to show you he does love you. He does.
does care about you. I feel the Holy Ghost in this building right now. I'm telling you that God is alive and God is well and God cares. God is in whatever you want him to be in. Prayer is our lifeline. We have other lifelines as well. You see, discipleship. Discipleship is where we pour into other people. Jesus said, go into all nations. Go to every nation. That means that go to them regardless of their skin color, of their culture. He said, show them that there's a better way. Show them that there's a loving Savior. Show them that there is a God who can help you through your trouble, that can help you. There's a better way. There's a better way. Discipleship is a value. That's what we live. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. There's a better way. There's a better way. God does care. Serving is another attribute. Jesus himself, Mark chapter 10, says that for even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve. To be served, but to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. Man. The, the, just imagine, just imagine the, the Savior of the world, the, the, the one whom the Scripture said that was in the beginning with God and was God and all things were made by him and without him nothing was made that is made. That individual God stepped into this world clothed, clothed in flesh in the form of humanity, stepped out from the corridors of heaven, stepped up from the lofty heights of heaven, stepped into our demise and despicable world and is our frailty. And he said, I'm here as the king, but I'm here to cleanse you of your sins. I'm here to take the dirt off of you. I'm here to wash your feet. Peter said, no, Lord, that, that shouldn't be. God, I, I need to clean you. And Jesus told him, Peter, if you don't allow me to do this, then you'll have nothing to do with me in the kingdom. Because if you think your feet are dirty now, your soul, you're going to find out how dirty it really is when I pour my spirit out and give you a different perspective with conviction. You're going to want me to cleanse you, forgive you, remove every blot, every stain. Oh, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. He'll wash your sins away. He'll cleanse you and make you whiter than snow. And he'll cause you to put back your skip in your step. He'll cause you to walk again with confidence. He'll cause you to feel the, 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 the passion of why you live, of why you're here. Serving is an outlet it's an outlet to let Jesus do what he's always done, even when he walked on this earth. What he was telling Peter was, he said, you know what, Peter? I'm going to come back, and I'm going to put my spirit that's in me, that's causing me to do this, I'm going to put it inside of you. In fact, he that wants to be great in the kingdom and of God shall be the least in the kingdom by serving others. It's a, it's a value. It's a cultural change. See, I didn't come here for you to serve me. I came here for me to serve you. I'm trying to serve you right now. That's dry, that drives us. 
That causes us to study, to pray, to, to call out your name throughout the week, to call out and check on you, to text you, to, to, to just let you know, hey, hey, we're here. You're part of a family. You're not by yourself. We're praying for you. We're believing God's going to do something good for you this week. We're here to let you know that you've got a family. You have a family. You have somebody who cares about you. Not only that. But Jesus gave his life. Let's not talk about money because money's cheap when it compares to life. Jesus gave his life. I do have a scripture that was there that I talked about giving when Jesus looked at the little widow and he said he saw the little widow put in two mites versus what she put against those that had plenty more. She gave more than all. So Jesus does care about the giving and the generosity factor in your life. But it's more than just money because money, will actually, if you get that handled and you'll begin to just allow God to, to give you a revelation to know that it's not really your money, it's his. And he just lets you be a steward of it and he just asks you to worship with it. Don't let it master you. You master it. And then you won't have the love of money, but the love of God. And then God can trust you with more money. I'm just giving you a little bit of principle there, a little secret to help you know that money is another form of worship. That's it. It's a tool. But here's the secret. The heart. People that are generous, people that don't have money issues are, are very, very hospitable people. They don't walk by fear. They're driven by love. They don't walk and get jealous or always offended. They are people who know that there is a supply that comes into their life, that, that their God supplies all of their needs according to his riches and glory, and it's far more than money. There's blessings and favor that's in your life because of it. I, don't, I do not believe, I do not believe that we need to preach a prosperity gospel in the sense of trying to manipulate somebody and tell them, if you give this right now, God's going to make you rich. That's not God. That's not what God promised. God said he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, and that blessing can come in any form or fashion. Sometimes, sometimes it comes, sometimes it comes in wisdom. Sometimes it gets you, gives you an invention, an idea. Last week, I was speaking to a corporation at Formosa Plastics. They asked me to come in and talk to about 250 employees. And I said, sure, I'd love to talk to your employees and let me encourage them and help them. So it wasn't a preaching scene. It wasn't the same thing as here. But I shared a story about a man, about a man who, who, who his, his name was, we'll call him Mr. Montañez. Richard Montañez was a guy who, who grew up on the poverty of the, of, of, of the farmlands in, in, in California. He grew up very poor and he had to quit school and the fourth grade to go work for his family in the fields. And, and so he grew up in poverty. And so he working in the fields for like, you know, uh, almost 20 years of his life. He said, man, I'm tired of this. I want to go work and make more money. So Frito-Lay was hiring, and Frito-Lay uh, hired him as the janitor. Now, during the 80s, during the 80s, Frito-Lay was going through a, a really a downslope of their business. They were, they were really just, just hurting during that time. And so the CEO, in, great measure, in a great uh, 
an attempt to try to bring the morality up, the morale. Um, he told the employees all across the board, from executives all the way down to the, 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 the hourly wage employee. And he said, if all of you would just take ownership of the company, I really do believe that greatness will come out of that and we'll start to see a change. And so Mr. Montañez, who was a janitor making $4 an hour minimum wage below, I think, I don't even know if that was minimum wage for back then, but and, and further than that, it, was, it wasn't that much. He took ownership and he said, I'm going to mop these floors like they belong to me and I'm going to clean like they belong to me and I'm going to get ideas and I'm going to add my two cents in just to help, not to tear down, but to build up. And so one night he was, he was contemplating what he can do to help the company and he was there and he was buying some, he was, he was buying some corn because he wanted to roast it. Any of you ever had any Mexican roasted corn? Come on now. Me volver, volver. It just happens. comes out. Mexican corn and the spices that were on it. And he looked at the Frito-Lay aisle. It was right next to the corn. And he said, hold on a second. Why can't we put the chile on the Cheeto? One night, the conveyor belt broke, and it didn't get to the stage where it was powdered with cheese. He took some of those unpowdered Cheetos. He took them home, and he worked on a recipe. He came up with a spicy Cheeto. His family loved it. They put it in Ziploc bags, and they shared it with friends and family. They loved it. He called the CEO of the entire company. He called the CEO and he said, I have an idea. We have a recipe. You haven't hit the Latino market. There's another market that you need to hit. And the, and, and the CEO said, I love it. I'm coming. And he hung up the phone. The CEO called the president of the company that was there in his region. He called vice president. The vice president called the lead of operations. The lead of operations called the head janitor. The head janitor walked up to the other man who gave the recipe to Mr. Montañez and said, what have you done? The owners are coming and flying in. You have a presentation to do. He goes, oh my God. He said, what did I do? He said, who do you think you are? And he said, oh, my God, who do I think I am? <laughs> he went to the library. Are you all good? Yes. He went to the library. He bought a book on marketing. He copied it, parroted it word for word in the first five chapters and did his presentation. He showed up to the presentation with all the executive board with those little Ziploc bags and he marked in their chile. And they tried to ask him questions to try to kind of dis, 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 you know, knock him off of his, his, his creativity and make him feel intimidated. And they asked him, what kind of profit margin are you expecting? He goes, oh, man, this much. <laughs> the CEO said, I love it. I love this. Let's do it. Today, he's a billionaire. He's the top executive for Pepsi-Cola. He's the guy that's doing marketing and teaches people all around the world how to market. Why? 
because he took ownership, because he said, I'm not just anybody, I am somebody. What would happen if all of us in the church would take ownership and say, this isn't Pastor Bobby's church, this isn't so-and-so's church, this is, this is our church, and we want to love everybody, and we want to make a difference, and we want to get involved, and we want to worship. This is our family. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is our culture. This is our culture. We believe worship is a major part of our culture. See, he owns the church. He bought us with his blood. Now we're called to steward it. And Jesus is saying, treat it like it's your own. Treat it like it's your own. What would happen if we would get that kind of mentality what I love about the church is it's, it's, it's diverse. It's, it's, it is, um, it's diversity. I love the fact that we have black, white, brown, cinnamon. <laughs> right? Powdered sugar. I mean, there's all kinds, right? <laughs> I love it. There's never a dull moment, but I got to tell you, it's not about you. It's all about us together, and if we can come together, worship together, pray together, reach out to other people together, serve together, give together, disciple together, we're going to be exactly what Jesus called us to be in this world, and we can make a difference, and people will hear about this from far away, and they'll come to learn and understand what thus saith the Lord, and what is the Lord doing, what's going on there, I'm going to tell you, and all we've got to say is, we've built a culture, a Jesus culture, we've made it about him, not about us. And this is what you need to apply in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in your careers, wherever you're at. Apply these principles. Apply them and things will change. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. The only thought I want you to go away with, if anything, today is this. A culture built around Jesus will last forever. A culture built around Jesus will last forever. We are here to pass on not tradition, but culture. Culture. In the kingdom of God, we grow from each other. We love each other. We're encouraging one another. We pray together. Can I tell you right now, make prayer a value and a priority in your life and don't wait for something bad to happen or things to go awry. And you, do you remember how much you prayed when you didn't have the bank account you've got right now? Or the job or the car or the house or the clothes? I'm just saying. All I'm saying is Prayer should always be the same through good times and bad times. Because bad times will come around. But you see, when you've got value and you've created a culture, God's people, because they are part of a different culture, because they have been through some things. You see, it's, it's the church 
the church of the book of Revelation, the church that's built on a good, strong foundation. I'm talking about the church, the church that went through the lion's den, but the lions couldn't eat it, that went through the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it, that went through the waters, but the waters couldn't drown it, that went through and fought some devils, but never got defeated. I'm talking about the church, the church triumphant that's in our life right now. There is no problem. There is no difficult circumstance that you are going to face in your life that you can ever feel intimidated by when you've got a strong culture and a strong foundation in your life. Let's just raise our hands and surrender. I feel the Spirit of God that's here right now. Lord Jesus, <laughs> right now, <laughs> right now, empower your people. Right now, dear God, just instill value, God, principle, conviction, Father, and let their lives align with your word. Let us become people of conviction, people that believe, God, that you will meet all of our needs, that you will face all of our, all of our enemies, God, that you're the answer, and we will not be ashamed. We will not stand, God, foolishly, but we will stand, God, in your wisdom, in your direction, and confidence of who you are. You are El Shaddai. You are Jehovah Gabor. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Kanishkanu. You are every one of the expressions of your spirit to every patriarch God. You are the God of glory to us, wrapped up in Christ Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling within you bodily, all of you in Christ. We celebrate that today and we worship. Lift up your hands and give God some praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.